Episode 154 of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. I'm host number two, D. I'm host no number three, Corey. Corey's not here. Um, we're filling in. You know where Corey is? is? I do know where Corey is. No, I'm going to put him on blast. Put him on blast. Corey is eating pizza at Friends. <laughs> put him on blast. No, no. So if you're it's, like, where's uh, Corey at? Where, why isn't he bringing us the knowledge this this midweek? He's eating pizza. That's what in Corey's do. defense, I said seven. He assumed it was seven my time, Central Time. Um, but I was thinking seven, like our time. He didn't know I was on the East Coast with him. So there is that little bit of miscommunication there. He didn't know I was on the East Coast. But I'm on the East Coast this week. It's always a Shout habit out for to me the to East Coast. I always put CDT. It's always a habit. I always have to put the time zone after the time with you guys. And look, imagine how crazy it, it gets if you get that job in Switzerland and we're all like doing the show is just going to be insane. Yeah, it'd be really, really hard to do the show. I would just call the show the Inconvenience Podcast because it would not be convenient <laughs> at all. Anyways, so let's talk about some Bitcoin stuff. Well, this is going to be a long episode uh, because mainly I really want this episode to focus on Forrester Faroe and her exciting project, Code to Inspire, which is working to empower women in Afghanistan by educating them specifically in computer science and, and programming. Um, it's a great... Does she still pay in Bitcoin? She still gets paid in Bitcoin. I don't think she pays in Bitcoin. You know, it's a school, so she's not paying the students. But I had an excellent <laughs> idea about that, which is going to be on a special episode on Ramping with D. But... She accepts Bitcoin, and the whole backstory is it was easier for the school to accept Bitcoin than it was for them to carry around cash because cash made it dangerous for her to make payments over there in Afghanistan land. That could have been borderline bad. Afghanistan. Um, But it's a great – look, this episode is one giant advertisement for Code to Inspire. We don't usually get all like high on horses or soapboxes, but I think that the benefit, not the benefit, the cryptocurrency community has benefited greatly from the massive value influx that has uh, fell into our laps this year. And maybe giving back a little bit of that, especially to a cause like Code to Inspire, will make you feel good in your heart area. You know what I'm saying, Cello? She has a... She hasn't been on the show since episode eight. Yeah, and she's been plugging away since episode eight, doing great. Never she's late. She's still lovely. She is a lovely woman. That is a fact. So, um, 
is it? Yes, that is a fact. You can find it on Wikipedia. If you look up Christopher O on Wikipedia, uh, the second sentence is she's an amazing woman. Yeah. Do you so, did you know do you know what you call her if uh she decides to take a leave of absence from Code to Inspire? No. Foreshta furlough. Get it? I do get it. Alright. And I don't think that's how leave of absence <laughs> work. Alright. I think I think a furlough would be like if Code to Inspire just didn't want her to come to work anymore for a little while. Cut down on, <laughs> yeah. cut down on costs. That's what I think a furlough is. Okay. Forest furlough. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so some highlights in Bitcoin news this week. Just to give you a little bit of the Bitcoin goodness, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, Coinbase now has vaults for your Ethereum. Or sorry, for your Ether and your Litecoin. So if you are holding all three de- digital assets, or as I like to say, assets coin in it my word dasset you can now have a vault for all three uh what is a vault multi-sig wallet 48 hours withdrawal time high security private keys stay offline they're insured due to hackery or coinbase's negligence like if they do something stupid and they accidentally like burn all the private keys then um you get your money because it's insured so use a vault it's safe Okay, enough about plugging uh, Coinbase. Cello, what do you think about China? What do you think is going to happen, man? Uh, I think that they're just testing the waters and seeing how far they can push the envelope because Venezuelans, they're surviving off of mining. So if you take Bitcoin seriously as censorship-resistant money and not cheap payments... It's it's gonna be bad news for the third third world. Yeah. I don't get like more than ninety nine percent of miners. Go ahead. All right, let's hear it. Go ahead. no no, go for it. I just, I just read a statistic that more than ninety nine percent of miners are back at mining Bitcoin. So if you I mean, am I right that if you only had a few percentage of the Bitcoin Hash power, a you large send... percent. Well, wait, it's a giant yeah. network. Uh, so I think oh. China is allowing mining at the moment, right? I don't know. There's man. no drop in There's total hash no power. No clue what's going on there. It's, 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 it's hard to digest because apparently they're shutting down the exchanges, but some are still open. Um, if they shut down the exchanges, how do the miners get their new Bitcoin out? Or do they just mine and hoard the shit out of Bitcoin for no reason? Like, what's going to happen? I wish I knew. I think if I knew, I'd be very well off because I'd be able to make some sort of prediction. But Well, play devil's advocate. What if the China ban is good news? Wait. Not devil's advocate? Is it being bad news? Yeah, I guess Wait, so. if you're playing devil's advocate, yeah. Devil's advocate is like side. the unpopular if, thing. Yeah. Right? What if you said what if you think the ban is good news? Well, wouldn't the ban being good news be the popular thing? That's what every Bitcoiner wants. The, they want the ban to be good news. 
I, I didn't, all I've been seeing is negative stuff, but I was like, well, what if the ban was a wake up call to the, to that portion of the community that got complacent and forgot what we were fighting for? I thought this was bad news. I see it as bad news because it gives central banks a re- a recipe now. It gives central banks a blueprint. Like, oh, China pulled it off. They got Bitcoin out of their country. We can do it too. And then that forces the demolition man society that I'm so looking forward to. That's exactly how I feel. I worry that the U.S. is going to feel threatened by Bitcoin because we hold the global reserve currency which puts the U.S. government in the driver's seat on most negotiations. You know, I'm not proud of it, but uh, I'm worried that the U.S. could try and form like a, a larger-than-life deal with Japan. That man, is, it's going to go to straight-up demolition, man, quicker that, than we can yeah. imagine. Yeah. I'll go underground. I don't give a shit. All I got with Dennis Leary and his company of like cohorts as we just eat rat meat and spray-paint Taco Bells, I don't give a damn. Yeah. That's a feature I long for. And when that feature happens, a lot of traders and investors are not going to know how to get around a government ban. So that yep, that's the future we're headed towards—a future where you can't curse and you got to live underground to be free and be a little bit dirty. Hygiene's probably an issue, or you live above ground and you get cars that drive themselves, and weird haircuts, and freezing criminals. Crazy. Yep. China has this firewall that just makes a ban enforceable. It's crazy. They need to sell that product. What if we what if we were in China and we had a Bitcoin podcast and it just got banned? Then we'd move. I'd move. Yeah. I'd get the hell out of Dodge. Um, yeah. well, anyways, we're, we're, we're rambling. Um, what else is big in the Bitcoin news? Oh, atomic swaps. They're live. Go Google atomic swap Litecoin and see some magic. I'm, I'm All a right. little, I get angry because I see Charlie Lee tweeting about atomic swaps and I don't oh, understand it. Say what? So then I see him tweeting about that and I don't understand what it means. So because I don't understand it. I find it insulting, and then I get angry. <laughs> That's another show. We can't go that deep into Atomic Swaps on this show. We don't have that much time. But um, basically, Atomic Swap is like decentralized. Think of a decentralized exchange, right? So if there's somebody out there in the world that wants Litecoin for your Bitcoin, all you have to do is swap it using an Atomic Swap or say you want to go from your Bitcoin to Litecoin. Like, you guys both put up the amount it takes to open up that channel or that, I believe it's called like time, lock, verify, I don't know, whatever the actual function on the Bitcoin network is or the Litecoin network is. Um, But you can exchange with someone like instantaneously. So you won't need a centralized exchange if you're just like, hey man, you going to give me the amount of Litecoin that I want for this one Bitcoin? And he says, yeah, atomic swap right there. That's cool. It is pretty cool. 
I don't know if it's exciting, but it's cool. It's exciting for what like it could allow possibly in the future. But right. uh fudge. We're running out of time. So Well, if you if you need your Corey fix, he's on this interview. I'm not. Yeah. Cello was like I gotta go eat pizza out of friends. You guys can go ahead and handle this interview with Russia. <laughs> and we said if we're not it was DiGiorno. It wasn't delivery. DiGiorno has gotten so weak over the years. It's so crappy now. It started out as like formidable. There would be days when I would say, you know what? I'm actually going to go to the grocery store and get a DiGiorno over saying, you know what? I'm going to order pizza. And that doesn't happen anymore because DiGiorno's fell off the map, fallen off the map. Their flavor is nobody cardboard. Has, nobody has ever eaten pizza and was confused if it was delivery or DiGiorno. You know the difference. Oh yeah, you know the difference, of course. Now, you didn't though. There was a, there was a smooth six month period when DiGiorno was running the pizza game. Six months only mm. though. You hear that? You're the blockbuster of pizza. Yep. Get it together. And your stuffed crust sucks. I just want to let you know that personally. <laughs> it's terrible. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Freshetta Pizza. Yeah. Better Freshetta than is better. And that's a damn fact. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the pure anger you have when you actually burn an oven pizza. Like, because it's that difficult to do. You put a frozen slab in an oven and then you get hot pizza. But for whatever reason, is your life is so just encumbered. You come back an hour and a half later and you're like, well, this pizza is definitely turned into charcoal brick. So... Well, you get cocky. You're like, I don't need to set the timer. I am a capable yeah. human. <laughs> I've done this so many and... times. <laughs> I've done this so many times. I've done this so many times. Like, I don't need to watch this. And then you're like, what is that smell? Mm, I don't burnt my damn pizza. Anyways. This episode's brought to you by time. Use it. Yep. It's also, this episode's also brought to you by the Bitcoin CEO himself. Jamie Foxx. Okay, sorry. We this is okay. So here's the interview <laughs> with Fresha Farrell. We hope you enjoy it. Um, she's an amazing woman. Um, and if you've been following your politics as of recently, she's a nasty woman. Right? But at Portia, if you're listening, not that kind of nasty woman. Portia, who? Oh, Portia in the Slack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, but not that kind of nasty woman. She's a nasty woman, like Hillary Clinton style. So, anyways, uh, here it is. Hello, everybody. It's D, and we're here with Fresca Fro. Did I say that correctly? Yes, awesome. Awesome. I know how to read. That's good. Um, and she's the founder of Code to Inspire, uh, amazing organization. Um, if you, if you're unfamiliar, like we actually interviewed Fresha like many, many moons ago, um, about code to inspire and it wasn't necessarily about code to inspire. The reason it hit our radar in the first place is cause you, you were accepting Bitcoin, um, as a way to kind of, uh, if I remember correctly, as a way to kind of protect your students 
and give them a way to pay for the classes or allow the organization to pay for itself pretty much in a safe way. And you guys have come a long way since, and we wanted to have you back on the show to kind of give us updates and like a, a way better description of what I just said <laughs> and um, an opportunity to expose even more listeners to what code to inspire is all about. So without further ado, uh, I'll, I'll let you just kind of like introduce your, reintroduce yourself and reintroduce our community to code to inspire and, and let it rip. Sure. Sounds awesome. Um, well, thank you very much again for having me, uh, in your program. Um, give uh, your audience a very quick background of myself and Code to Inspire. Uh, I was born as an Afghan refugee in Iran during the Soviet invasion to Afghanistan. And I finished my high school there one year after the fall of Taliban in 2002. My family and I, we moved back to Afghanistan, um, going to Herat, uh, which is my parents' hometown, a very beautiful mountainous city in the west of part of Afghanistan. And I uh, was able to uh, finish my um, computer science degree, get my bachelor in Afghanistan, and then I went to Germany and I got my master's in Technical University of Berlin and moved back to Afghanistan and I taught as a computer science professor for three years. Um, so that was certainly the journey that I had as a refugee in Iran. Um, and certainly being a woman in technology and studying computer science in Afghanistan and teaching um, I faced a lot of challenges and obstacles that um, certainly made me to think about how I can improve the status um, co of women education in Afghanistan. And uh, with that all, uh, I um, opened um, the first coding school for girls in Afghanistan in November 2015, which I founded um, Code to Inspire as a registered non-for-profit um, in New York City. And um, the girls are coming to our school. So giving a little bit of a background of our coding school, um, it's an after school program and the length of the program is two years. Currently we only have one location, which is in Herod and um, we started with 50 students. So we took the initial exam. We had actually 120 applicants that we took an English and computer exam from our students and then we picked the top 50. And um, we offered um, different classes. Our mission is uh, two different uh, aspects. One is more educational, which we uh, target high school students, which are from eighth grade to 12th grade. And we want them to make them excited about coding, get them very um, excited to learn coding and interested in computer science so that we can bridge the gender gap. So the classes are mainly focused on web development uh, and front-end development with the students. And then we do have um, other classes for computer science students who have a, a better coding background and we mainly focus on uh, mobile application development and also um, Unity, which is more towards gaming, 3D and virtual reality. And also we offer a graphics and design class. So the reasons and the the kind of like inspiration for me to establish the first coding school for girls in Afghanistan was that a lot of girls um, lack a safe and secure educational environment. So um, I noticed that a majority of my female students, um, when they graduate from computer science, first of all, they don't have a secure place to go and do a lot of extracurricular activities. And that makes them 
um, to not be able to do a lot of practical work, which is very needed for coding. And then that leads them to not have a good portfolio when they reach out to companies to hire them. Um, and unfortunately, um, they, they can't have this um, um, kind of like opportunity to go and present their work. And then certainly uh, in case of safety and security, uh, if uh, a girl wants to find a job outside of their hometown, majority of the families won't let their daughter to travel. And also the security is a big concern. So finding an employment outside of your hometown also is difficult. So you technically uh, stuck in your hometown as a woman. And of course, um, thinking about a little bit of uh, uh, the cultural aspects, which again, Afghanistan is still a male dominated culture. Um, so majority of the companies also prefer to give the job to men rather than women. So what I wanted to do is that first, I wanted to bridge the gender gap, um, support women in technology and encourage the girls in young age to learn coding. Um, the program is free of charge, so we don't charge any students because majority of the families can afford extracurricular activities as well. But the bigger goal is um, to find employment for the girls so um, they can do the work online and get paid online without being worried of any geographical and any other uh, challenges in front of them. I remember um, a long time ago, it was, it was July 13th when you came on the show, when things were getting started. And the reason why you were interested in incorporating Bitcoin was exactly what you just ended up saying, was that you wanted a good way to find the girls to be paid online. And and, and Bitcoin was a good avenue for that. Did it is that something that you continue to look after or did it not work out? I'm curious kind of about um, how it worked out in, as a solution for you in in getting the girls paid or employed. Uh, yes, with my other non-for-profit that also we were working and paying the girls in cryptocurrency, it was actually working and um, the girls were very happy because that was kind of like a first time for them to own something and have a control on something that they um, they, they just earned. So that's certainly that uh, something that I'm still looking forward to have for our students in Code to Inspire. Um, and because we opened our school in November 2015, and this November we're actually going to graduate the first group of our students. And then the next step for them is to find employment opportunities or internship. So we're certainly looking for options to see how we can send the payment directly to them so that they can have access to that. So um, again, um, we be certain, I mean, I personally myself, uh, um, think that the cryptocurrency and the blockchain technology is very empowering, especially for people who live in underserved communities um, and they lack uh, financial infrastructure. So that's certainly something that we are looking for. And hopefully once we get to that stage and if you find right partners, that's something that we are looking forward to do. Mm. So I'm just trying to wrap my, my head around like how empowered they must feel like when you say empowered what what exactly does is it empowering them to do just contribute or just own their own things and be responsible for their own things so when we talk about empowering it it can be very broad um even if we start thinking just simply about a girl who never touched a computer 
who never been online um, coming to our coding school. And then through this two years now, she's able to make um, websites with WordPress or designing a website from scratch. That's in and itself, it's very empowering for a person who've never been online. We, uh, I personally saw the progress of our students uh, within these two years. So we had students, as I said, that never touched the computer at all. So uh, we tried to teach them also how they can be online and use social media as a platform to uh, express their uh, feelings and also share their stories. And every morning when I wake up and I uh, check out to an Inspire Twitter account, I'll see 10, 15 tweets from our students that they took a screenshot from their work and um, they explain what they did today. Um, these are students that they never had an email account. So when, when you see the progress of, of the students like that um, and how it really changes them, they were very shy. I remember I always every month I do a call with our students in Afghanistan and they were so shy to raise their hands and ask questions. But now they are very, very active. And I think the main reason is that when you get online, when you learn skills, that's actually makes you empowered. Um, but beside that, um, again, going back to Afghanistan and thinking about coding and cryptocurrency and any technology um, that can help people. Um, when we look at Afghanistan, there's a lot of different aspects to that too. For example, once a girl learns uh, technology educations and they feel empowered so that they can fight for their social, political and economic equality in a country that women are still um, um, treating like a second uh, citizens in the country and there's very few opportunities for them. But also they can be a role model for other generation that once the other generation look at them and see them how they empowered themselves, they also can, um, can, can follow them. And also like um, to the community, we can prove that women are capable of adding value to the communities uh, far beyond just doing simple housework. But the other example that I can tell you about empowering is not only they learn the technology and can empower themselves by the skills that they know, which one aspect is that they can earn income and they can be financially independent and also help the family and be a breadwinner, but also they can bring changes in the community. So one of the goals that we have is that the girls go inside the community and find a problem and um, um, provide a solution. Either it's an app or it's a game or something that raise more awareness. For example, right now, uh, one group of our students is working on an application that um, is for uh, tourism in Afghanistan. Because unfortunately, when you say Afghanistan, uh, majority of the time, people think about a country that it's always bombing, blasting, violence against women, and everything that is very bad comes to people's minds. But um, in Afghanistan, there are a lot of gustures that are happening that unfortunately the media doesn't cover. So with, the, with that application, the girls want to show the world the good face and beautiful natures and um, uh, everything that is hidden uh, to people and encourage them to come and visit Afghanistan. So that's like one project that our girls are working. And then the other project 
that our Unity students are uh, working, uh, they're designing a game. That game is actually based on a true story uh, about the National Army of Afghanistan going to different places, fighting with Taliban and um, try to uh, eradicate the uh, um, the opium fields and try to plant saffron instead. Uh, which is, we call them a uh, red gold because Afghanistan became number one in the world um, in three years producing that herbal uh, plant. So that's like one aspect of when we talk about empowering, showing how technology can empower individuals that they can give back to the community. I have a, I have a quick kind of a, like, it's, 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 it's incredibly inspirational that you're allowing these women to become what they'd like to like to be or, or give them things they didn't know they could have. But is the enrollment process difficult if they don't, if say they, they've never touched a computer, they've never had an email address? Do the women who enter your program know that they'd like to do those types of things? Or do you have to kind of try to convince them or, 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 or get them excited about joining you and then they realize all the things they didn't have afterwards? Yes. Um, so when when we started the process of registration, uh, our mentors who are teaching the classes, they went to public schools for girls and they talked about a project and kind of like give them an idea. And then we started the process of registration. Um, and you're right. We had a students um, that when they registered, they said, we've never touched a computer. We don't have email. We don't know anything, but we would love to be part of this program. Um, so what we did, we actually uh, tried to make exceptions for some of the students. So we had students that really did well in the English part, logic or math part, but they didn't do well in the English, sorry, in the computer part because they just didn't have a computer at home. So what we did after we took the initial exam, we interviewed them individually and asked that why they want to um, learn coding and, and more about computer science. And then uh, we, we really uh, saw that there's a lot of uh, potentials in those students, even though they never had this knowledge. So we did the exception and we accepted also like a significant amount of them um, to our coding school. And actually those are the ones that are doing very, very well uh, in a coding and in uh, making the um, applications or websites. Mm. Uh, so I want, I'd like to, to switch the script a little bit to talk about, you, you say it's very male dominated Afghanistan and you're an after school program. So I'd imagine you'd have to go to different schools to kind of pitch code to inspire to them as a program that they'd want to partner with. Correct. Right. Um, but also in Afghanistan, um, the girls' school is separate than the boys' school. So, uh, the, oh. the girls are just totally in a very totally different buildings and locations than the guys. Well, n now I can't ask that question, but <laughs> have you, have you felt any, have you I'll, felt any pushback from, from trying to do this and, ask, and kind of give women a, a, a lot of power and equality? Oh yes, I definitely a lot of pushback and uh, resistance from um, uh, some of the uh, um, colleagues or males in the community. It's when you talk about I want to empower the girls with education and technology. That's in and itself a very sensitive topic that not a lot of people are going to be happy about that because they know if a girl become empowered and learn more and be educated, she knows uh, her rights and she's going to stand for her rights and and a lot of 
conservative people, they don't like it. So um, that was certainly um, a very, at uh, the journey that we had, um, we, we saw a lot of um, pushbacks from some of the people, even though some people that they are actually in technology fields and they are like open-minded people, which you don't expect from them, but they also like um, um, give their opinions about the work that we were doing. For example, when we were posting on our Facebook page and our mentors or our students um, just posting in their um, Facebook accounts about the games that they did or about the applications, there were a lot of guys that they commented and they were kind of like make fun of them and saying like, oh, the girls are now making games like Afghanistan is so developed, like in a very sarcastic way. And they wanted to make fun of the girls and they were like, they didn't believe on the program. They were like, oh, these girls going to go get married and then they're not going to like continue. Like the girls are not for computer science. So um, any sort of messages or comments that they wanted to put the morals of the girls down, we, we saw a lot of them. And they also like, um, some of them, they, they sent me in my Facebook messages and they were like trying to kind of uh, make me in a way that I dis become disappointed and don't continue that. But on the other aspects, uh, based on the experience that I gained through teaching in computer science and also working in non-for-profit sector, um, talking about Afghanistan when we say it's male-dominated, but also... Um, it's very family oriented. So once you establish a very good relationship with the families and communities and you gain their trust, they actually become your advocate and your goodwill ambassador to uh, to share your work. So what we actually did is that first, we really wanted to be sure that the families feel good about sending their daughters to our place. So we did our best to find the best uh, safe locations and only for girls. So the families won't be, um, won't feel um, uncomfortable about that. And then what we actually try to always do is that we try to engage the families in different ways. For example, if students were absent in the class, we just call the family and tell them like, your girls didn't come. We just were concerns that we want to send them the, the materials for the classes. We just want that you want to be sure that like she's following the classes. So the families liked it because they saw that we felt responsible about their daughters. And also, um, we had some brothers and the fathers of some of the students who came to our coding school to visit and just check how's everything going on. And then once they really like um, feel, uh, um, feel happy about, they told actually our mentors that like we saw our daughter come and write something, make something that we have no idea what's that. And we were just wanted to come and see. And they send us thank you letters. So once, unfortunately, the men um, are the decision uh, makers in the families in Afghanistan. Uh, but if you uh, try to kind of like uh, um, make a good relationship with the family and especially engage the fathers, brothers of the students, that's actually a huge success. And that's what we did. And it helps us a lot that even we have students coming and they say like we got uh, the referrals from like this family or this family that you should go and check this coding school. It sounds like it's becoming quite the success that I bet you always imagined it would be. So that's that's really reassuring. I'm glad that you guys are still doing so well after what two yes. years. 
Yes, I mean, we started with 50 students and now uh, recently um, we won a grant that through that grant we wanted to expand our coding school because we received a lot of demands from um, the girls' families. So now we actually uh, are expanding our location. We are in a co-working space that we rented uh, one floor and now we're going to go to the next floor. Uh, so with that uh, fund, we actually can expand our location, buy more laptops, and uh, we can um, have another 60 group of students to come and join our classes. Wow, that's more than double. I have a question for you. This is important to us here in the States. Are they coding on Macs or are they coding on PCs? So, so in Afghanistan, mainly PCs are uh, more yes. common. And um, but also, I think it's also the price wise also, it's very expensive to kind of like have any kind of like Apple products. And there are also not a lot of um, kind of like support for that product. So we do have PCs in um, in our coding school. However, for doing some um, testings, for example, if our students make an application for iOS or the games, uh, we need maybe like a um, um, couple of just like um, um, Apple laptops just to like for the testing and just like working on that. You made a lot of people happy by saying PCs. So, <laughs> so I have... Another question here on your sponsors page, you got some, you got some heavy hitters there. Fear of poets, I haven't heard of. I'll just put that out there. But Overstock, Bit Theory, Google, GitHub, Consensus. I mean, those are heavy hitters. And so, if there are any other heavy hitters listening, what process do you have to go about becoming a sponsor of Code to Inspire? So, I mean, it's it's not a very complicated um, procedure if you're just like got inspired by our work and you feel passionate and you want to help, just reach out to us, info at codetoinspire.org and um, you can just let us know in which way you are interested to help. But a majority of these uh, sponsors um, help us either with our fundraisers uh, or we want a grant from them uh, or they sponsored, for example, different part of the school. For example, the Overstock, they actually donated us the laptops. So the first 20 laptops that we purchased uh, or we got as a donations for um, our coding school uh, came from Overstock. And the Google as well, we won the Google Rise Awards and the, uh, we are in the Google's non-for-profit list and they've been very, very uh, supportive. Uh, the same as any other uh, companies that you see their names in the sponsorship page. Cool. I hope somebody is like sprinting to to become a sponsor right now because um, it's a very amazing organization. Um, well, we're just going to – I want to wrap it up by asking you the same question that I asked you almost two years ago now. Maybe your answer has changed. Maybe it hasn't. But the question is – in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? It's a currency for people. Um, no, not, let me think more. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, oh. Uh, Okay, um, Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, Bitcoin is a 
currency that um, has the power to bridge the digital divide. Ten words oh, on the dot. Yeah, that's ten on the money. Nice. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll leave everyone with this. You can you could donate by any means possible. So you can donate with a credit card in increments of uh, 20, 50, 100, or you could just click other and donate how much you want. PayPal, of course, you can donate with Bitcoin. And you can also link your Amazon Smile to donate with them as you shop through Amazon. So there's many, many ways to contribute to the cause of empowering Afghani women to, I mean, will be empowered. I mean, we already talked about the old empowerment thing, but I think it's a great cause. Uh, it's glad to, I'm glad to have you back, Russia. Um, I hope you keep doubling in size every two years because I think there's something like something about the power law, which means you'll be huge soon. So, um, Corey, you got anything else to add? No, that was great. I, I keep going. This is great. Well, thank you very uh, much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. No? Yeah, no problem. Um, when the episode goes out, you know, we, we're going to blast it as many avenues as we possibly can because it it was and still is one of the more inspirational stories around Bitcoin, which tends to be too money, money, money. Everybody's making money. It's kind of like bananas, but I like the real stories. I like the good stories. So Thank you. Well, awesome. yeah. Thank you for giving us time on Saturday. I don't know what time it is in Afghanistan right now. Um, but Well, I'm now based in Brooklyn. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you hear a lot of, like, New York accent. Like, <laughs> hey, how's it going today? I tried to, to learn. Do you have a New York accent? <laughs> Can you bust out a New York accent for us? You've been How long have you been living there? Um, it's going to be five years. Five years? Wow. So I don't know why I thought you were in Afghanistan (laughs) at all. That's a long time. Um, Do you have a New York accent? I think I don't. I don't know. Let me get a hot dog. (laughs) Well, no, I don't have then. (laughs) Oh, not even a little bit? Okay. Wait, okay. So when you go back to visit Afghanistan, do they say you have an American accent sometimes? They kind of like notice that. Um, and I mean, I certainly, when I saw some of my videos that I like did one, like, I don't know, like two years ago or, um, three years ago, something, I mean, I see that, um, there is an improvement, I think, in my accent and in my speaking, uh, which is good. So yeah, I think I'm getting better and better every year. Are you growing impatient? I hear people from New York move so fast that when they come across someone who isn't moving as fast as they are, it's like really annoying. Oh yeah, oh my God. I just like can't. <laughs> when you see someone is just like walking so slow, the first thing comes to your mind is like, oh, tourist, but like, or <laughs> probably they're all like tourists that they walk slow. Otherwise, like everyone is just like running. So someone like me, like that goes up to the McDonald's ordering <laughs> station but doesn't know what i want until i look at the menu when i get to the countertop i'm someone that would make you angry 
Oh my god. <laughs> he already doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah, I start to scratch my chin. Do I want the chicken? Do I want the burger? I don't know. Anyways. Anyways, this interview is getting off the rails. Um, thank you for your time. And uh, you're always welcome back. And if you get like a huge influx of Bitcoin donations, I hope that's coming from the people that listen to our show. Yes, so. of course. I was certainly letting you know. All right. Well, have a good one. Thank you. You guys have a great weekend. Bye-bye.